This episode of Sauce Mama is brought to you by Dairy Farmers A2 Goodness Plus Prebiotic Milk. We've heard a lot about the importance of good gut bugs, but what these tiny organisms eat to survive is just as vital. They feed on prebiotics. And a super easy way to get prebiotics into your kid's diet is through the milk they drink. Containing only the A2 protein plus added prebiotics, Dairy Farmers A2 Goodness Plus Prebiotics is goodness from free-roaming, pasture-raised cows. Dairy Farmers, here's to good. We invite you to join the most exclusive, inclusive club for special needs mamas, Source Mama. Unapologetically candid, uncut and heartbreakingly real, whilst uniting, elevating and fiercely empowering. Join the greatest pride of lionesses ever to have walked the earth at saucemama.com.au or Instagram or Facebook, follow at saucemama. Hello, I'm Rachel Williams and today I'm talking with Rebecca Glover, who is a mum to three beautiful children, including Ruby, who has a range of diagnoses. She's the founder of Ruby and Ollie's, the first all-inclusive childcare centre in Queensland that offers tailored childcare for children with additional needs. Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, truth be told, you have a beautiful new little baby girl, baby Faith, and she's only less than three months old. How are you coping with life at the moment? <laughs> she is. Um, I'm actually... Uh, yeah, life's pretty good at the moment. So she's really taught me to just slow down. Um, I mean, COVID has helped with that too. Um, but no, she's actually going really well. So she's nine weeks old and yeah, fairly, fairly cruisy baby. Thank goodness. Wow. And what a big decision that must have been to have another baby. You've got um, two older daughters, um, including Ruby, who's 11. Tell me a little bit about Ruby. Yeah, sure. Yep. So I've got Sophie, who's 13, and then Ruby is 11. Um, and Ruby, ha as you said, has a range of diagnosis. But just last year, we actually got her official diagnosis, um, which is uh, a very rare condition called pontocerebellar hyperplasia, and she's type 6. So um, basically, that means, you know, we've been going 10 years of really not knowing what, what is going on with her, what she's living with, what's causing um, her, her very rare, I guess, medical conditions and um, physical disabilities. So um, it affects her cerebellum and her brainstem. So they appear smaller than what you would normally expect to see. And those, of course, um, will affect the, all her movement, swallowing, breathing and speech, to, to name a few. So... Wow. And how come it took so long to, to get that official diagnosis of the name, which I won't be able to repeat? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I think probably because it is so rare, it's not something that paediatricians or you know, medical specialists are generally um, testing for. And I think over the past few years, there have been so much more advances in um, all the genome testing and exome testing. So we saw her metabolic specialist uh yeah it would have been about 18 or probably two years ago who said let's send off um some dna again just because of the advances so we did that and then within the six months he phoned me saying we've we found what's what's going on and um yeah and it just so happens to be this very rare 
um, condition. There are a few that I know within Brisbane with the condition, just not the same type. So as I said, hers is type six um, and there are approximately 13 types of this condition. And I think, you know, we're talking a hundred, maybe a couple of hundred worldwide, if that with, with the actual condition itself. Um, and so a very small hand, handful of the type sixes. So as the metabolic doctor said to me is that they're going to be learning from Ruby because it is so, so rare and they don't have the answers. And it's really just to keep living as we do and doing what we feel is best for Ruby. So does it make a difference having now got a diagnosis? Absolutely. For me personally, um, getting to that 10 year old mark, you've kind of gone through all the the gritty, um, you know, dark days of not really knowing how you're going to get through it all. So we oh, did get through it all. Um, I was told she wasn't going to really live past two years old and now she's oh, nearly 11 and a half. So um, the m- biggest thing for me was to then have a good search and good old Facebook came up with a support page for this condition and I've now managed to connect with other parents and caregivers around the world um, who are going through or living with the same journey and it's amazing to then see so many with very little um, children experiencing very similar um, Yes similar journey to what we were back then which wasn't very pleasant whatsoever well just I I know you probably want to look forward to the future now but I'm just I'm just thinking I I've got an 11 and a half year old boy Hamish and when we were having him he was going to be Ruby if he was a girl um so I'm I'm just thinking like the journey for you and and now I'm thinking of what it would have been like for me to be in your shoes and I don't know how I would have coped how how have you done it Um, I think so just to put it in context back then like she was born quite healthy and there were no signs at birth so from when she was born everything was considered yep developing fine up um, and yeah no great concerns Sophie my eldest did have colic so um, I was kind of going oh let's hope we're not going to go through that again but then we started (laughs) to see those signs of um just irritability and just needing to burp all the time wasn't happy lying down so I thought okay that's okay we can get through this there's drops for it there's um I know just to kind of keep her upright a bit longer but then it just kind of continued and then other little things started creeping in and she would stiffen in the body and just um screaming just went off food went off feeding um her swallowing wasn't quite what i what it should have been and just having obviously sophie first you then kind of can look at things going now and this yeah something's just not quite right here so it's back and forth to the doctors back and forth to the childcare nurses um we had ultrasounds and just to see if there was blockages in her gut and endoscopies and um try this formula try that formula uh you know try taking a tablet to increase my milk and um yeah extremely stressful time back then and she actually spent the first three and a half years non-stop screaming 24 7. um during that time my um or my marriage did we just yeah we we were going on different paths by that stage so we decided to separate so i was living back with my parents and um and i just remember the days of 
literally waking up in uh, well waking up from maybe an hour's nap in the in the middle of the night and just saying to my like I was in the fetal position to my mum going I just can't do this anymore and just remember her saying yes you can like we're, we're here you know we'll get through this and um it was literally just day by day so you just get through each day if you manage to get out or see someone or you know that was a bonus or um and it just took I just spent days hours throughout the night just researching and and looking for alternatives because traditional medicines and procedures they just weren't doing anything or um or working so I think as I then began to find certain uh, key people so um I guess maybe a little bit more alternative to what your mainstream medical doctors or hospitals would be doing or saying but I found these people and slowly things I saw improvements and I saw her starting to um just the pain just started to ease slightly just each day by day and I think that just gave me the hope to go okay I've just got to really trust my gut here and and be around the people that seem to be helping her and what her body needs um so yeah it was a long three and a half years and but then literally um overnight it was may i think 2013 the pain just stopped like literally overnight the she just stopped screaming and i don't know what it was uh, but yeah from going non-stop screaming 24 7 to it just stopping was uh, a moment where i was yeah it I, I can't explain what happened so but from that point on each day just became much more i guess livable and much more enjoyable um and then obviously that's what led me to where i am today let's talk about where you are now obviously um you came to fame somewhat being on season one of the shark tank um with your child care center give us a background as to, to a what led you to that tv show but also the the catalyst for for the child care center yeah sure um so as i said getting to that point of ruby all of a sudden feeling a lot better and i had a lot more sleep and i started to think okay there's more to more to me than just doing this day-to-day caring um job which i wouldn't change for the world but going from a um you know, working full time in a career that I really enjoyed uh, to then just giving all that up and obviously caring for Ruby and Sophie. But I thought, right, well, if I can get them into childcare, then that will kind of be the first step. So I started looking, obviously, Sophie was in childcare at that point. Um, and I thought, okay, if I can get Ruby in, this gives me that opportunity to just start doing something for myself. And um that point of trying to find, well, where is Ruby going to go? Knowing that she does have seizures, that she can be in pain, that she does need medicines. Um, I just started to see that it wasn't so simple as just enrolling her into childcare like I did for Sophie. Um, Don't get me wrong, like her childcare centre was amazing. They really wanted to help. But, you know, they they kindly offered maybe we could take her for two hours in the day. And I'm like, oh, it's not really long enough to do anything, is it? (laughs) No, that's right. You drop off, settle in, go and then time to go back again. So I and I knew that it probably wasn't the right place for her, nor the staff there to take on that big 
big responsibility, I guess, and and also for me to feel comfortable that she would be okay there. Um, so I re- that was probably the catalyst of going, okay, well, something needs to change here. There needs to be a place for both of my girls to be um, and to allow me to work or study or just do some self-care um, activities myself. Um, yeah, so that was kind of the moment of me going, right, well, what do we do? And then it just started that I thought, okay, um, well, maybe we start as a family daycare because I just started speaking to other close friends who were going through similar and, um, yeah, I just made that decision and started inquiring and set up the family day, found a house. So I was with my parents then, and then I found a house locally where I lived upstairs with the girls and then we ran family daycare downstairs. Um, we would have four children a day and primarily all with a disability, but there were siblings that came who didn't have a disability so they could be together. And from there, just the inquiries grew. Um, and then, yeah, on TV, I just saw this ad pop up going about Shark Tank and yes. who has idea that they would, they're seeking funding. I went, well, that's pretty much what I've got this dream and I don't have the money. I don't have the means or capacity to actually grow this by myself, um, anymore at that point. So just took the leap and applied and then everything kind of just whirlwind from there. And here we are. Yeah. What did you learn from that experience? It must have been a little bit surreal. Absolutely. Yeah. It was kind of all a blur because it was just, um, yeah, providing information here and there and interviews and just then got to the, the um, filming and arrived the night before, went in, did the, um, did the show and then literally was straight on a plane back and crashed as soon as I got home, woke up the next morning going, okay, so um, here we go. But basically the biggest thing I think I, I um, learned through that process was just to really believe in the, in my dream, believe in the vision I have. And then you see so many other people supporting what you're doing and, and really reaching out saying that they need it too. And um, so I did have to go through a stage of really trying to build upon my business skills and um, and as much as it pains me to because I'm I'm not naturally or um, I guess hard hitting business minded woman like I've just got this vision of what I believe is right and what we should be providing what should be available to families but I had to do a lot of learning of um, you know with contracts and how to deal with um, hurdles along the way and bureaucracy and really pushing with government departments um, of what we we needed to do and what they needed to change and what they needed to help us with and and just started to be a bit more assertive I guess to get to the point of where we are today of providing that place um, for families. Yeah give us a bit of a, an understanding with the context of how big Ruby and Ollie's is actually grown because you're now helping is it hundreds of families um yes definitely with it i would say um you know close to probably 200 250 families now that we're supporting in in the south brisbane area Um, we've got three centers that we operate from 
at this point in time. So starting from four children a day in a small family daycare setting, we've now got three centres. And from there, it's grown to then supporting these children and families in home or accessing the community, attending therapy sessions. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, it's growing. Um, however, we're just at a nice, nice stage of it's still very, we're very connected to each and every family. And that's what's important to us. We're not just going out to uh, reach every single family as we can and just not provide that family, um, that personal touch and experience, because that's ultimately what I believe needs to happen in, in what we're doing and for families to feel that they are heard and understood and, and each and every child has their needs met. And for the families to be supporting your business there, obviously that's an endorsement of the fact that they they need that personalised care and support. They do. I mean, every family is going through so many different um, phases and stages of their life. And we've got some with the very little ones who are just so lost and, and need that um, empathetic approach and to have someone that really can just sit down with them and say, I hear you and... I get where you're at and you know life this isn't going to be your life forever and that was something that someone very close to me said to me when I was in those hospital walls just going when are we going to get out and I don't know what to do from here and and they said you know this isn't your life forever and I, those just replay in my head all the time especially when I'm now meeting with other families um, there is definitely so much hope out there and it's just getting the people the right people around you as I found to help you along this journey and get to that place of yeah joy and happiness and um yeah knowing that there are it's always there's always going to be challenges but there's so many people around you to support you through them I'm just having flashbacks now to the first time I took Hamish to daycare and I sobbed and and you know I can only <laughs> begin to imagine what how hard that must actually be for someone with special needs as well as just the the act of, of leaving someone at daycare for the first time is, you know, are there some changes that need to be made that you would like to see to actually help more people with disabilities have this sort of care and, and love and support that your organisation is giving? Um, probably the, I mean, from experience, the biggest changes or um, consideration that needs to be given in the childcare sector, I think would probably be around the inclusion support model and how it's, you know, not a case of just someone going in to support like a whole room of children for a few hours a day, like centres, if we're really wanting to provide all abilities, um, sent like care to every every child, no matter where they're living, to know that they can go down to the local childcare centre just down the street, um, the inclusion support model really needs to be uh, looked at and and to have the right people, skilled people going in to support not only that child, but the centre and um, and the staff working there. So not just being an extra body in a classroom, but someone that does have um, experience with nonverbal children, that does have experience with behaviours. So that child is not going to get excluded or suspended when they make some, um, yeah, when, when they're, when yeah not such great behaviors happening in the classroom it's not just naughty behavior so it's having the right people in those classrooms to understand that and know what they need to really help them through that and regulate themselves to 
to be able to feel a sense of belonging there. Um, also with the medical side of things to have people that understand seizures a little bit better or alternative feeding. So if they're um, fed through um, their tummies, the, the pegs um, or yeah, so I think that's probably a big area that needs to be considered um, and just to also really support the providers who are trying to navigate so many hurdles, red tape, bureaucracy of ticking boxes that aren't actually created for children with disabilities. Yeah, right. And so now that you've got the business acumen sorted and you've obviously grown so much in the last few years, what are what are the goals for, for you and, and Ruby and Ollie's? Um, probably the goal to continue supporting fam more families. Uh, it would be great to just keep expanding, but to be done, as I said, in a very, um, to have the right people in, in the business who are going to be able to expand and continue that personal approach with each and every family. Um, I also, you know, that's the goal for, for the business itself. Goals for me and my family are to really finally try and give back to myself and back to my family. I've spent the past, well, seven years in the business, uh, working tirelessly day and night, really building it. Um, and my girls have just kind of gone gone with it and i'm pretty sure down the track sophie will thank me <laughs> and um and acknowledge what i have done it's so you know i do live with constant guilt and fear that i haven't given them enough of my time but i've also created a business where i can be with them i can be at the hospital when ruby needs me i can take sophie to and from school so hopefully in the long run they do see that but i think yeah the biggest goal for me is to to get the right people in in the business who i see as family to grow it and also to give back to my own family and myself yeah and just finally rebecca obviously we spoke about the fact that you've got beautiful little baby face do you have any advice for other mums of children who have complex needs, children um, who, are, who might be considering adding to their families? Because I'm assuming that's a, a pretty big decision. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, this is my um, my new partner, but we, we just, um, he is so amazing with my two girls, especially Ruby. So it was just... Um, a time in our personal lives that we were like, no, we want to do this together. So for us, that was, um, that was very important. And I think if you are really, if you're considering it, but nervous, then it's, it's everyone's own personal decision. But again, it has just brought so much joy and lightness to my, myself and my family. And it doesn't take away from Ruby's constant ongoing needs. And, you know, I know we're going to have, surgery over the next few months i know that she's you know having daily seizures and i know that but it's not the only focus and it's not that heaviness to have another little bundle of joy around um who just looks adoringly into ruby's eyes and ruby will just hold her in her arms um you know it not only it brings joy to myself but i think for ruby it's she's got her own little sister now and we you know, took her into school and introduced her to all her friends and um 
yeah like it's it's very special so if you're considering it then just do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> very good advice oh look thank you so much for chatting to us today Re- Rebecca it's certainly been an amazing journey for you and, and your family so we appreciate the insights that you've provided us today no problem at all thank you Thank you. That was Rebecca there, um, Rebecca Glover from Ruby and Ollie speaking about her journey to date and I'm sure exciting things ahead in the future. I'm Rachel Williams. Thank you again so much for listening to this episode of Source Mama. If you enjoyed this chat and want to hear more, please do check out our other episodes with more coming soon. And there's also plenty more inspo over at sourcemama.com.au. And of course, follow us on Insta and Facebook. And there's even a private Facebook group just for members. It's us and your supportive community. So we invite you to join the most exclusive, inclusive club of special needs mamas. Thanks for listening. This episode of Source Mama is brought to you by Dairy Farmers A2 Goodness Plus Prebiotic Milk. We've heard a lot about the importance of good gut bugs, but what these tiny organisms eat to survive is just as vital. They feed on prebiotics. And a super easy way to get prebiotics into your kids' diet is through the milk they drink. Containing only the A2 protein plus added prebiotics, Dairy Farmers A2 Goodness Plus Prebiotics is goodness from free-roaming, pasture-raised cows. Dairy Farmers, here's to good.